0: God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankful hearts in your hearts oh thankful in your hearts to God and whatever you do in word or deed do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to the God the Father through him
1: With me again back up here yeah, and I brought someone with me. Yeah. So we've been doing this series through February called, called Together, Discover Together, right? Because Discover is our word for the year. Together is our word for the month. And, and so we've been doing sermons together. So last week, Daniel and Yejin, uh, did, uh, they talked about Discover Dating together. The week before, Michelle and I talked about uh, Discover Singleness together. And so Missy and I are talking about Discover Marriage together. Uh, and, and, guys, this, this series is all about community, mm-hmm. okay? It's about how we take these relationships and live them out in the church. You weren't meant to live them in isolation. We were meant to live them together in the church.
2: Yeah, so I wanted to start off just giving you a little bit of a background on our, our marriage, give you a little snapshot, just real quick. Um, but I don't know about you guys, but, you know, Valentine's Day was a couple days ago, and... Um, you got me? You okay? Yeah. Uh, Valentine's was a couple days ago, and you know, most people, um, consider Halloween, like, the devil's holiday, but... I gotta be honest, I kinda think it's Valentine's Day.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right? right?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I've never been a fan. Um, I... Yeah, yeah let That's okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've never been a fan of Valentine's Day. I remember dreading it. Um, you know, before I met this guy, um, it was never pleasant, as is this. Now, definitely um, <laughs> after. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, it's yeah, never pleasant. Um, and I never, I never liked the holiday. Um, honestly, I don't, I don't even like it now. I mean, I just think it's like, it's just misconstrued the biblical idea of love, and we're gonna get into that in a little bit, but the day after Valentine's Day is significant for us um, because we actually met on February 15th. Um, wow. oh, yeah, it was man. the first day that... 18 years ago. I saw you, yeah, 18 years ago. We were babies, met in playgroup. Um, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you know, something like that. Um, and, um, yeah, so 18 years ago was the first time I saw him. Um, and also the first time... Technically, I saw... Yeah, like you saw me first. Okay, you're right. Yeah, yeah I wasn't paying attention. Um, just, he didn't even notice me. <laughs> no, I didn't. It's true. And then he sat down next to me awkwardly when there was in a room full of like three other people. And I was like, who are you? Um, but anyway, we won't get into all of that today. Um, yeah, it was just 18 years ago. We've been married for 16 years, almost in May. It'll be 16 years um, yeah, so we're really, we're really excited about that. It's been quite a journey up and down. Um, we'll, we'll share a little bit about that as well. Mostly but, up. Yeah, for, for sure. Yeah, of course. All, all mostly up. Um, but yeah, we're we're really excited to talk about marriage together. This isn't just for married couples, though. This is for, and um, or even just people that are like thinking about marriage in the future. It's not just for for those people. This is for all of us as part of the church being the bride of Christ and marriage being a picture of the gospel. So.
1: Yeah. So these, this passage we're in, in Colossians chapter 3, has been leading us to this. And one of our, or actually a couple of our BOG leaders as we were going through the passage this week asked, asked me, hey, uh, we stop before the actual marriage imperatives here. Uh, Because actually, we stop at verse 17, where Jamie stopped reading, and verse 18 and and 19 are directly to wives and to husbands. And they're like, what's going on here? And and the the reason we're doing that is because I think if we deal with uh, the first few verses, 1 through 17 here, that we actually build a foundation for relationships and marriage. So we don't even have to really deal with uh, 18 and 19 necessarily, uh, because... They're just a natural outflow and outworking of these things. And if we can get these few verses right, man, you can be in any relationship, okay? So the first four verses here, they really, they really dealt with identity, your identity in Christ, that you are complete in Christ, not in a relationship. That's why we talk about singleness out of them, right? It's, it's saying that I'm, I have everything there is to have in Christ Jesus, because Paul says here that your life is hidden in Christ, and Christ is actually, in verse four, your life. Like, that's saying that he's the one who completes you, not anybody or anything else. Right, and then last week we talked about, Daniel and Yejin talked about how, how uh, sometimes we can make relationships worship, right? They can become idols in our lives. And, and here, it, it talks about how we, how we put to death those things that are idolatry, and how we put off anger and wrath and malice and slander. And, and, uh, and it ends with verse 11 and, and it says, uh, There's neither Jew nor Greek, circumcised, or uncircumcised, barbarian, scythian, slave-free, but Christ is, is in all and he is all. Like, that's, a, that's a tremendous statement that we bring Christ into all of our relationships. Right? And, and he leaves us with that as we go into this passage.
2: And so, verse 12, it says, Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. So, when you hear put on, like, what do you think about? Clothes, exactly. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly what you think of. You think of putting on clothes. And we, we really hit on this um, in our BLG this past week. Um, Caroline was talking about how she's like, when she saw these things, she was like, yeah, those are kind of like my good clothes. You know, talking about compassion and kindness, humility. She's like, you know, they're there in the closet, but you don't always wear them. And I was like, girl, those need to be your everyday clothes. I was like, these need to be your comfy clothes, right? But we're not we're just not always comfortable wearing these things, right? We're not comfortable with compassion. We we tend to put on things that help us that like allow us to dwell in darkness and in isolation, um in hiddenness. So that's what we really want you to think about this morning, like what are you wearing? What are you wearing this morning? What did you wear before you got here? What are you wearing right now? When people see you, is this what they see? Do they see compassion and patience and humility? Or do they see the things that we talked about last week? Anger and wrath and malice and impurity. I think those are the things that, that we see often, and those are the clothes that we feel somewhat more comfortable in. But those are the things that are only going to lead you to isolation, right? Like that's, that's what the enemy wants. That's where he's happy. That's where he knows that you... Um, Belong—that's what he thinks, at least where you belong. So, what Paul is telling us here is to put on things that are going to lead us into community, and that not will just not only lead us into community, but will really create community around you.
1: Yeah. So, Paul is leading to marriage here, right? We see that in verses eighteen and nineteen. So, but that doesn't mean that these verses don't apply to all of us, right? Because he's writing to the church here. So this is something that we should have in, in all of our relationships, we should have these things. Uh, and they're definitely true for marriage, though, where compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience should be what we're putting on. Or well, wearing. the problem is, in marriage a lot of times, because it's, it's uh, a pretty intimate form of community, but it's the most intense form of community to live, to live some of these things out. Uh, and when I say intense, like you guys who are married, you should know what I'm talking about. There's like, marriages uh, can be the crucible. It's, it's a fire. So we're like, we're celebrating Kevin and Cassandra today, but guys, they're getting ready to step into a fire uh, and be refined. And, and that's, that's beautiful because hopefully they're going to rise as, out as precious metals, right? That's what, that's what the scriptures say. But, but um, they're stepping into something where, where they are going to be iron sharpening iron. And when that happens, sparks fly, all right, so a lot of times in marriage, we don't put on these things because guess what? My most comfortable relationship in life is, is this relationship right here. So I can be compassionate and kind and meek and, and humble to, to you guys, right? but behind closed doors, what am I? And that's what Missy's getting at. You know, we, we have the analogy of good clothes versus comfy clothes, right? And sometimes with our good clothes, we're like, "Hey, yeah, I look compassionate on the outside, right? I, I put this, I put this on, and I put meekness on, I put humility on, and that's how you see me. But what am I? What, how am I treating my children? How am I treating my spouse? Am I am I treating her with the same compassion that I that I that I would treat? Sometimes, guys, in marriage, you treat a stranger better than you would treat your spouse. That's bad." Uh, it's good that you treat a change, stranger well, but, but that's really bad because you're like, oh, well, I'm comfortable here. So your comfy clothes, they look ragged. They don't look like this. They actually look like anger, malice, because you, you, you can take those other clothes out on this person because you're like, oh, well, they're, they're with me. They're not gonna leave me. They're, they're here, right? They've committed to, to staying with me and working this out. Uh, but, but what we're trying to get you to see is, guys, these, these are the clothes that we should be wearing all the time. And we don't have all, we don't have enough time to go through all of these words because each of these words is tremendously theologically deep and theologically packed. But in our marriage, I've learned so much from Missy in this in, in, in this in this category. Like she had all these clothes. <laughs> and she kind of had to knit me these clothes. <laughs> um, and, I mean, she's, like, when I read this, this, uh, this passage here, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, I mean, all I see is, is Missy. And, and what's, what was key in our marriage, guys, and what's key in relationships is she, she never said, hey, you need to be more humble. You need to be more meek. You need to be more kind. She just modeled it for me. She didn't, she didn't tell me, hey, you gotta do this. Because what happens when someone does that to you? You step back. And you're like, no, no. Um, but when someone models it for you, which is what Jesus does for us, he's like, hey, come follow me. And he shows them this, and Missy showed me this through our marriage, through the last 16, 18 years of knowing each other, she showed me these things. Um, it makes me wanna put those clothes on. It makes me wanna make them my, my comfy clothes. It makes me uh, want to wear those more, because I I, I want to honor her in that, and I see how beautiful that is, and, and how it creates how it creates a relationship in us. So, what is how do we live that out? We're talking about marriage, right? I'm talking about relationships, but how do we live that out in the church, in the context of the church and community? Uh, because, guys, the key what's what's amazing is when you wear something like this, when you have a compassion heart, kindness, humility, meekness, patience. I get, like Missy said, it creates community. It draws people to you. Guys, if I'm wearing anger and malice and wrath and slander and all those things, who wants to be around a person like that? If you're in a relationship like that, leave that relationship. You don't want to be in a relationship like that. It's just going to get worse. Uh, but, but if you are wearing those other clothes, man, that just draws people. It creates community around you. So how do we live that out in the church? Two, two things here. One, for you married couples, you invite people in the church into your marriage. Okay? Now that, that sounds a little weird, right? Uh, <laughs> but but uh, but what I mean is you're transparent with your struggles, you're transparent with what you're what you're dealing with, you're transparent with, with um, how your marriage is going. Like a lot of times, I guarantee some of you guys on your way into church this morning, you were arguing. You got in here and now you're all smiles, but you still have something in your heart that you're arguing about on the way here. And as married couples, we feel like we have to do that. We feel like we have to make it uh, all great on the outside. That's not true community. That's not transparent. And that's not beneficial for you because you're just putting things under the rug and it's just piling up, piling up, piling up, and they will explode. And that's not gonna create a, a community uh, of, of uh, love and forgiveness, things we're going to talk about later. So last week, after the service, actually, um, a, a couple in our church pulled Misty and I aside and, and asked us to pray for them. Practically, they just pulled us aside and said, hey, we had a huge fight uh, last night, and we want you to pray over us. And, and we didn't need to know the details. I mean, they, they probably would have been more than happy to share it. Uh, well, I'm no more than happy, but they would have willingly shared it. But but they invited us into their marriage to hold them accountable to, to be there alongside them. And guys, guess what happened? Breakthrough happened in their marriage. Like something that's been in their marriage since the beginning, like broke. Because they invited someone else in to speak into their marriage. And so if you're married in here, don't feel like you have to, like this is your only community, you have to live in, in this. That's just as much isolation. Okay, and that's just as much doing it alone. No, you're supposed to live your marriage in community by inviting other people to speak into it. Secondly, each of us, whether you're married or not married, you need to recognize that you're a part of the bride of Christ. This is going to sound like a big theological cliche, but you are married to Christ Jesus. And I get it for you guys who are single in here. You're like, yeah, I've heard that one before. haha, <laughs> I'm married to Jesus. I guess just focus on him. That's not what I'm talking about. Uh, exactly. That, those people who say that have some good intentions probably, but, but um, guys, all of us, married or not married, we're all part of the body of Christ. So even if you are married in here today, you're, it's going to sound polygamous, but your first spouse is Jesus. It's not this. This is the earthly. This is earthly, right? This right here, our marriage, does not last. It will not last into eternity. Like By the grace of God, hopefully it will last in this world, but after this, it's over, right? My marriage to Jesus is eternal. And, and think about this. We, it was actually on, that, um, on the marriage bands that we gave Kevin and Cassandra today. 2 Corinthians 2, verses 14 through 17 says this. It says, but thanks be to God, uh, who in Christ Jesus always, always leads us in triumphal procession. And sometimes when you read that verse, you, or if you've read that verse, you think you think maybe a military procession, like they just want a battle and a war, but I actually think it refers to marriage, us as the bride of Christ, that, we, that he always leads us in triumph processions. Think about, think about the bride coming down this middle aisle right here. What happens when the bride comes in the room? Everybody stands up and all the heads turn, right? And we wait for the bride to come down and and she's walking in this, in this air of triumph, right? This triumphal procession where everyone's, she's in her white, she's pure, she's holy, she's blameless, and everyone is waiting for her to come down the aisle. And this, this triumphal procession that Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians, he says, he says Christ always leads us in that. Guys, you're married to Christ Jesus. When you walk in this world, your head should be held up high. Like, you know, like, chin up, buddy, come on. Like, hold your chin up and walk in triumphal procession because it is finished. You guys understand? Like, when we were singing that, I was weeping. Those were the last words Jesus said before he died. It is finished. Telestai is the Greek, which, which comes from telos, which is goal or purpose, which Jesus is saying the purpose is fulfilled, it's over. I've done it. The goal has been achieved, and so it's finished, and so when we walk as a church in triumph procession, it's because we know Jesus has already done it. All right, guys, that's the bride of Christ. You are that. We are that together, and we get to walk in triumph procession, and it says this, and this is why I think it's also talking about marriages, because it says, um, through us, he spreads the aroma of Christ everywhere. So the fragrance and the knowledge of Him is spread everywhere, for you are the aroma of Christ to God. Like how beautiful is that? Like, like think about the bride coming down and and flowers and perfume and and those things, and and you just smell the aroma of holiness, right? You the aroma of Christ. Whenever I read that passage, I'm like, I wonder what Jesus smells like. (laughs) What is the aroma of Christ? I got like bacon. Does he smell like bacon? <laughs> um, like that's, maybe he smells however, to whatever you like, right? Uh, maybe he smells like that to, to, uh, to you, whatever, you're, whatever smell you like. Um, and I just love that passage, how, how, how we can walk in triumph for procession. And then verse 13. Yep. You want me to read it? Yep. Okay, so verse 13 says here, bearing with one another And, you know, what's funny is we talk about a lot of the one another's in the New Testament, right? There's, I think there's around 40 unique ones and then 70 to 80 repeated ones, right? Um, And and we say love one another, forgive one another, serve one another, confess to one another even. But how many of us say, hey, let's bear with one another. Like, I don't hear that one very often. But this is the one another's. Just bear with me, right? Just bear with me. And, And it literally means... Put up with me. Like we're called to just put up with one another. Guys, in marriage, in relationships, in church community, we're gonna hurt one another, we're gonna argue, we're gonna fight, we're not gonna agree with one another, we're gonna, uh, all these things. But he says, hey guys, just, just put up with one another. Just try to do that, right? Bear with one another in love, he says somewhere else. Uh, so here he says, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And we're going to come back to that passage after, after we go to verse 14.
2: Yeah, but just a, just a note on what Mike was saying with like you know, how we're talking, we talk better to strangers than we do our own spouses. I remember very clearly one time in, a, in an argument we were having, and he just looked at me and he said, he was like, would you talk to Brian that way? This is a, a colleague of mine that he knew I had. He was like, would you talk to him that way? And I was like, oh shoot, like no. Like I I wouldn't. And right there, like I was convicted because I knew that, yeah, that I just wouldn't that I wouldn't speak to somebody else that poorly as I was speaking to my husband, right? So let that sort of sink in. But we're gonna keep on going here. It says, and above this is verse fourteen, and above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. So what we see we see here is again that same phrase that says put on. It says put on love. So if we're going to go back to our clothing analogy, this is like love. Let's think of love as your winter jacket. Because it says it binds everything together, right? So you've got your t-shirt of Kindness, your sweater of <laughs> patience, you know your, you got your gloves of, of meekness and, and, and scarf, right, um, but when you put that winter jacket on, then it kind of brings it all together to go out into the elements because what is it what does the Bible say about love like perfect love casts out fear, so when you have that on and you 're able to go step out and you you have the ability to to cast out fear you have the ability to handle the harsh elements right of winter, which is no fun. Nobody really likes it. Don't even play. Like, I don't, nobody really likes it. Um, but yeah, it just binds everything together. So say that to your neighbor right now. Say, put on love. Yeah. Yeah. See, that's powerful when we declare these things over each other. And what happens when we do that? Guys, it's so beautiful. It says perfect harmony happens and then the peace of Christ ruling in your hearts. That word for ruling literally means to control or to act as an umpire. I'm not the sports one in this relationship, like, by any means. Um, but if we're talking about being an umpire, that's allowing Christ to call a foul ball when you hit one, right? It's allowing him to, to be, you know, in complete control To call those strikes, to call the fireballs, and to bring you back. And the key word here says, let the peace of Christ. Like You have to allow him the ability to do that. He's not just going to take it over. He's not going to take you over. He's not going to, you know, you have to open yourself up and allow for that to happen. Right? And then it goes on, and it says um, unity. It says you were called in one body. So when we have... Love, when we're wearing love completely we have unity in the body just like before service um, with all our serve teams we all gathered arms we linked arms we've been doing it for the past several weeks and it's just it's showing exactly what we said like we're like what is this a picture of and it's unity in the body right and it's that makes it impenetrable, impenetrable
1: impenetrable
2: thank, thank you uh, <laughs> what he said um yeah it's, i mean it's just there's so much strength there right um, and then it says, and it's this whole sentence by itself. It says, and be thankful. Come on. Come on. Come on. Say that to your neighbor. Say, be thankful. Be, thankful. be thankful. Right? We need to be thankful for the relationships that we have, what the Lord has given us, what we have covenanted in this, in this sort of relationship, in a marriage relationship, but just in relationships in general. We need to step back and be thankful for what the Lord has done. I mean, it's just so clear how he wants us to show gratitude, right? So,
1: yeah. For you guys who are married, when was the last time you thanked your spouse for doing something that they just always do? <laughs> Before Valentine's Day. <laughs> yeah, that was your only time. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, because, guys, just be thankful for what God has given you, like Missy's saying, because a lot of times we take our spouses for granted. And it's hard for those of you guys who aren't married. You're, you're, it's hard for you to, well, you, you may not see that because uh, you just haven't experienced it, right? I knew nothing about marriage until I actually walked it out and lived it out over these past 16 years. Even, my two years of, even our two years of being together, we knew nothing about marriage and how that changed our relationship and what that does. And, and uh, you can just get in the, in the rhythm of life, and maybe the husband always always um, cooks dinner, and the wife now just expects it, uh, and, and so she never thanks him for it, right? And, and the husband's they there like, oh, I do this all the time, but I never get thankful, thanked for it. Or maybe, maybe the husband, uh, maybe the wife, um, uh, or, you know, whoever, whichever spouse takes care of the kids, and, and the other one works, and you're like, oh, why just expect that spouse to work? Because why do this? Now, when's the last time you actually were thankful for what your spouse does and took time to intentionally praise your spouse? Be thankful, right? Like Paul says in, in another book, be thankful in every circumstance. So, so I love how he, how he brings it up here again. And, and love here, he talks about love and he talks about forgiveness, And and guys, one more thing on the umpire analogy, when when it says, let the peace of Christ rule your hearts, Jesus wants you to hit a home run. Mm. Right? Like, he's going to call foul balls, he's going to call balls and strikes, but the whole point is for you to be able to hit that ball out of the park in your relationships. And he wants that for you. He wants that abundant life for you. So you got to trust him with that and and let the peace of Christ rule your hearts, as Misty was saying. Uh, And then love is a very... I love how Missy started out with Valentine's Day and love at the beginning because uh, our culture has totally misconstrued what love is and what it should be and and those things. Um, But the biblical definition of love is, is that, well, we won't go into everything, but I just want to say that it's a choice. Love is not necessarily an emotion. Okay? I heard someone ask last week, what happens if I fall out of love with my spouse, like it's just something that just happens to you. No, you choose that. You made choices to not love that person, to not choose that person, right? And this passage begins with saying, God saying, "We are His chosen ones, holy and beloved," right? And He chose us that way to be holy and beloved. So, this biblical idea of love is is a choice. And it manifests itself through our actions towards one another. And so you choose your spouse every day. You choose your relationships every day. You choose your church every day. You choose your community every day. You choose your friends. You say, yes, I'm going to be in relationship with you. And you choose that, right? It's not something passive that just happens to you that pushes you out of it, right? There's choices there that you made in order for that to happen, or that someone else made in order for that to happen. And sometimes that's hard when someone else makes the choice and it creates hurt and pain in your life. Well, that's why Paul says it's not just about love, it's about forgiveness. And this word for forgiveness here is, it literally means to show grace, unmerited favor. So when someone hurts you, when they pain you, you show favor to them, unmerited favor that they don't deserve by saying, I forgive you. And guys, forgiveness can be one of the hardest things in relationships. If you can't forgive, then it's going to just destroy your relationships. Um, And not just that one that you need to forgive. If you carry around unforgiveness and bitterness and resentment, that affects all of your relationships, whether you know that consciously or subconsciously. Like, that affects every single relationship in your life. You're sowing seeds of bitterness everywhere, okay? And, and don't think that, oh, that's isolated over here. No, did you leave your heart over there? No. Like, your heart is now in your marriage. You brought that unforgiveness here. And so when you have an argument here, you're going to, it, you're going to relent, it's going to be hard, you're not going to want to forgive, you're going to treat your kids a certain way, you're going to treat other people a certain way, you're going to treat your boss and your, your co-workers and those who work for you a certain way, like because of that bitterness and that resentment. So forgiveness here is key to show unmerited favor. And I was talking to someone last week, and they wanted to repent, they were sorry for what they had done, because they, 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 um, uh, and, and there's always two sides of the story, right? but they just couldn't forgive. They couldn't even say the words. right, like, so much so they couldn't even speak. They couldn't forgive, and that's just, forgiveness, just as much as love, is a choice. You gotta separate it from your hurt and your pain and your emotions. Think of saying I forgive you as just the threshold of the door. If you can say, I forgive you, then you can deal with the hurt, the pain, the emotions after that, because you're opening yourself into a home of healing after that. And you're creating an environment for healing to happen. If you can't even say the words, I forgive you, then you're not even in the door. You're outside of the house. You won't be healed. you just live in this perpetual elemental existence without love covering you, without meekness, without humility, without patience you have anger, wrath, and malice, and bitterness and resentment as your clothes. And guys, if you can't forgive somebody, especially your spouse, then you have just given them, them control over your emotions, right? And it's perpetuating that in your heart. And so when Paul says here, you need to forgive, he's saying, hey, I know they don't deserve it. It's unmerited favor. You're to give it. Why? Because Jesus did it for you. Ah, oh, Guys, you cannot say you've experienced the forgiveness of Christ if you withhold forgiveness from other people. You can't say that. You can't say I'm a follower of Christ here and not forgive here. Because how did Jesus show us to follow him? He gave his life for those that hated him. He gave his life for those who, who didn't care whether they received forgiveness or not. And so the beauty of the gospel in marriage is to create an environment of forgiveness where where we can uh, display the beauty of the gospel to a lost and dying world. Because we've mutually submitted to one another, Ephesians 5.21. And then it goes on and says... Wives, you do this with your husbands, and husbands, you love your wives like this, and, and we can wash each other in the word, and and we, can, and we can grow together in an environment of forgiveness. Because guess what, guys? That's probably like the key to marriage. If you can forgive each other, your marriage is gonna succeed. Because <laughs> I mean, uh, if you're being like Jesus. So here's, let me give you, let us, we're gonna give you some, th- some practical principles on this uh, really, really quickly. Just three things for your marriage once they come up on the screen, because I don't remember them in my mind. Uh, There they are, okay. Uh, Number one, take care of your anger as quickly as possible. This is Ephesians 4.26. Nope, I need just, yep, ignore number two for now. Oh, number one. Okay, take care of your anger as quickly as possible, guys. Uh, This says, do not let the sun go down on your anger. Commit to that in your marriage. Commit to that in your relationships, really. Um, but definitely in your marriage. And Missy and I, we take that literally. We don't let the sun go down on an argument. We don't let the sun go down on, on a fight. As, and, and you may say, oh, well, sometimes our arguments and our disputes last a few days. I'd say no, that's, you shouldn't do that. Uh, now, the Bible doesn't, isn't very clear on it, but I'd say for the sake of your marriage, don't do that. Um, and you may say, why well, I need time to process and all that? And, and I get that. Um, but process it together with the Lord. Process those emotions. Take care of any anger and malice. Take care of any bitterness uh, before the sun goes down. And, and we'd say, like, before you go to sleep at night. Because the enemy works in darkness. Guys, even when you sleep, okay? Don't, don't think he's not tricky and wily. Uh, when your mind is at rest and you're not actually on your guard. I mean, you should pray to guard your hearts and your minds when you go to bed at, at night, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, that's, that's number one. Take care of it as quickly as possible. And just real quick, that may be hard with your communication styles. I get it. I, we don't have time to deal with all that. If you want some help with that, we can help you with that. Uh, we can t- show you some of our failures and successes. All right, number two. All right, trust that the other has your best interests at heart. Guys, that is key. If I can trust that Missy has my best interests at heart and, and I have hers at heart, then we, can, then we have a line of trust with each other. So when she says something about me or to me that, that maybe I need to change, I trust that she has my best interests at heart. I don't trust that she's trying to tear me down. Right, I actually trust that she's trying to build me up, okay? Number three, I can say so much on number two, but we got to go. Number three, commit to being partners in holiness. That's Ephesians 5. We talk about that passage a lot. Um, You guys are partners to help make each other look more like Jesus. I push her closer to the Father. She pushes me closer to the Father.
2: Yeah, and then going on in verse 16, it says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts, to God. And this sounds really beautiful, right? So we have, you know, speaking to each other in wisdom, right? That should, that should make us think back, well, what, is, what does Proverbs say about wisdom? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of, of knowledge, right? And then Adam referenced it earlier, uh, Ephesians 5.18, we're addressing one another in spiritual songs. Well, that's the result of being filled with the Spirit, mm. right? But there's this little phrase in here about teaching and admonishing one another, and it's another one of the one and others that we don't necessarily, like, talk about too much, that it's a bit hard, right? So I don't know about you, but, like, this, so this word admonishing really means, like, to rebuke for a wrong. And oftentimes, unfortunately, but oftentimes, when, when I'm told I'm wrong, when I'm being admonished, my first go-to isn't to sing a, a, a hymn. <laughs>
0: It's, Praise Jesus!
2: Yeah. I'm wrong. <laughs> I'm not. I'm just not doing. I'm not praising Jesus. I'm. I am. I'm getting defensive. And my pride is coming up. And I'm getting. You know. I'm putting on that anger jacket. Whatever. Um, but um, yeah. So just to, just to kind of to kind of talk a little bit about about how this works out for us. Like, guys, the word dwells richly in Mike. You get to see it, right? You get to hear it every Sunday. Um, I sit here, right here, mostly because... It's easy for me to come up and speak and stuff, but I also sit here because I'm on the edge of my seat, knowing that the Lord is going to move powerfully in Him and through Him and speak through Him, and I want to hear what He has to say. I want to hear what the Lord has to say through Him. Seth and I joke about this all the time. We love the part in Mike's sermons where he goes through the Bible and he's tracing this theme. He traces it from like Genesis, and he just goes and he gives it to you out of this book and out of this book and out of this book, and all the way up through Revelation. And I'm just like sitting there, like hanging, like I can't wait to hear it all. And then he sits down and he's like, yeah, I didn't even mean to plan to say all that. And I'm like, you didn't, what? Like that just came out of you? Like it's so beautiful. It's great, right? Well, it's great here on a Sunday, but I'm living with that all the time.
0: <laughs>
2: so let's just be real for a minute. Like it's hard because the word comes out of him and, and moments where, you know, where we're, where we're not... You know, when we're in an argument or when he's, like, rebuking me for something that I've done wrong, that's the last thing I want to hear. I don't want to hear his rebuking and his teaching. I just want to hear. I just want to get upset over the way he said it, you know? I, like, pick on his tone, right? I'm like, well, how could you say it to me like that? And I get all angry, even though he's right, you know? But I'm just like, no, like, I don't want to hear it. And so you know what I've found that I need to do? I need to let the word dwell richly in me. You know, how am I going to be able to receive anything that he's saying if I'm not living this out and letting the word kind of dwell richly in me, so. Yeah,
1: I didn't write that part of the sermon.
2: (laughs) It's true, it's all me.
1: That's where modeling it and not just saying it is so key, guys. My tendency is to point it out and to say it, to to admonish, to rebuke, to, to teach, you know, and... And uh, But modeling it for Missy, like she's modeled those other things for me, has been so vital in our marriage. And I'm learning how to do that more through, through our relationship.
2: And actually, I was telling the, the couple that we were praying for last week, I was like, we argue better now. I was like, we argue better now. I'm just trying to give you like that hope. It's not perfect, but we actually argue better now because we're doing these things. So when I started recognizing that, like, Mike had the best interests at heart for me, like, I'm able to, we're able to, like, you better, you know, and in a way that's healthier and resolved quicker than, you know, one o'clock at night when we're still angry but we're trying to resolve it because we said we were going to do that, you know? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Guys, those, those three principles we gave you, they didn't just happen overnight. It's not like we started our marriage out that way. They happened through the fire. Like, those are the precious metals that came out of the fire with us. And, and we had to learn those things. No one told us those things. No one taught us those things. Uh, so we're trying to teach, teach you guys those things so that you don't make the same mistakes we did. Uh, because verse 17, Paul says, And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. It's like, I love this. It's like a catch-all. He's like, actually, just, just in whatever you do, do it for Jesus. And and I'm like, yeah, and you're like, that's impossible. And you may just throw that verse away, because you're like, that's impossible. But I guarantee you, if you start doing everything in the name of Jesus, it'll change what you do. It'll change how you talk. It'll change how you think. It'll change what your attitude is. So let's discover together, together. And let's do it together in the name of Jesus. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you that it is true, that it is holy, that it is uh, without any mixture of error, and that it just sharpens us. So, sharpen our church this morning in our relationships, Father. We pray that that unforgiveness would flee, that love would replace it. We pray that anger and malice would go, that we would put on the clothes of meekness, humility, and patience, and that we would bear with one another that we would just put up with one another. That seems like such a low bar. That we would just put up with one another, bear with one another, forgive one another, and love one another because you did it for us and we are your followers. So do that work in us today, Jesus, in your name, amen.
0: If you wanna know more about the TLC community, check out trinitylife.ca or you can find us on Facebook. Of course, we'd way rather meet you in person, so we hope to see you at a service soon.